Happy New Year. Did you survive the holidays? Is family all going back home? We'll just uh, leave it there. We're glad you're here, and uh, <clears throat> glad that we have. So we, are, I, I, you know, we're five days into this new year. I remember as a kid sitting down doing the math, figuring out how old I would be when it was 2020. Never figured this is six, this is what 63 looks like. You know, you thought you'd just be taller. You didn't know what older meant. So. <laughs> Uh, several uh, years ago when uh, our church staff was on retreat and we were looking for this symbol that would galvanize our vision, this, this one picture that we could always use with everybody. And if we said the, uh, the word or showed the picture, then everybody would get what we were looking at. And so we threw out a bunch of things and, and I suggested dandelion. Now, if you grew up in the South, you think about it. Dandelions will grow anywhere. You have a spot in your yard where grass won't grow, dandelions will grow there. Dandelions will thrive there. Not only do dandelions grow anywhere, they will spread everywhere. You remember when you were a kid, you used to grab a dandelion and you would blow on it and it would, you know, show those little dandelions all, uh, now you don't do that. No, because everywhere where one of those little white things lands is going to be a dandelion. Now, when I was a kid, my mom and dad would send me and my brother out in the yard because we lived in a new neighborhood and we didn't have grass that could fight off weeds. Uh, dandelions were like every two or three inches. And they would send us out into the yard. Oh, not, not with Roundup. Oh, no, no. That costs money. Why do that when you have two kids? They would send us out into the yard and give us each a long screwdriver and a bucket to dig up those dandelions. And you had to have a long screwdriver because the dandelion roots are so deep that if you don't get all the root, the dandelion will come back. So we would spend all day, several days, out in our front yard on our knees digging up dandelions. I thought it was a perfect perfect, perfect picture. I was, I was outvoted. But think about it. Wouldn't you love to have a church like that? Deep roots, hard to dig up, grow anywhere, and spread everywhere. I kind of liked that. I may bring that up again next meeting. <laughs> but it's kind of what Rome had on their hands. When they were trying to deal with this early church, they were always mad because they could never find the leader. They would get one, then another one would step up. They would get him, and another one would step up. The churches were spreading across the empire. <laughs> well, like dandelions. And as you can imagine, they were encountering all the problems of growth. That's one of the problems we read about in Galatians chapter 2. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Then after 14 years, I, Paul, went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up according to a revelation and presented to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those that recognized as leaders, I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running in vain. 
but need not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. The matter arose that some of our false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. But we did not give up or submit to these people even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. Now, from those who were recognized as important, now what they were before is no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to me. On the contrary, they saw I had been entrusted to the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised. So the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to the circumcised was also at work in me for the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, Peter, and John, and those recognized as pillars, acknowledged that the grace that had been given to me, they extended the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised, the Jews. And they only ask that we will remember the poor. And we have made every effort to do just that. The same grace that was at work in them was at work in me. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Each one knew its place, and each one knew where they had been sent, and each one knew why they had been sent there. So we pray, Father, as we leave this moment of worship that we, like Peter, like Paul, like James and John, will know the places that we have been sent and why we have been sent there. And we pray this in your name. Amen. This was a critical time in the life of the early church. Uh, as most of you know, uh, the early church started in Jerusalem. From Jerusalem spread to places around Jerusalem like Antioch. And then from there began to spread out across the Roman Empire. Namely, led by the missionary efforts of Paul, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas that started out of the church in Antioch. Paul finally ends up in Rome. Peter also ends up in Rome. All the disciples scattered across the Roman Empire. The churches begin to grow and thrive. And as you can imagine... As different as the cities were, as different as the ethnic groups that were being reached for the gospel were, that there would be lots of expressions of the gospel. I tell you all the time, there's a reason why Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors of ice cream. Okay? There's a reason we have different styles of churches, because different people respond to Christ differently, and they express their relationship with Christ differently. And I know sometimes we'll sing a certain song and you will say that is the worst song that we have ever sung in church. And you will send me an email. Please don't ever sing that song in church again. I will get another email from the person sitting next to you. That was the best song we have ever sung in church. Can we sing that song every Sunday in church? It happens more than you would realize. People are very different. So now the church is struggling with this question. What is essential? What really matters and what can we adapt? What do we have to agree on? What do we have to keep the same? And what can we negotiate? 
This is the council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. This is what Paul is talking about. The question, the essential, the basic question that the church addressed early on was, do you have to become a Jew before you become a Christian? Do you have to start practicing all of the Old Testament laws before you can be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ? There were some who said you had to do that. Paul said, no. The work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the death of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection is all the work any of us need. And if you add anything onto that, what you say is that the death of Jesus wasn't enough. And that, that is an incredible heresy. So now, Paul is arguing with the leaders of the Jerusalem church. They're trying to come to some kind of essential agreement. This is what he's talking to the Galatians about. Remember, this is the gospel I preach to you. Judaizers, the people who say you have to become a Jew before you become a Christian, have followed me into Galatia and they now have confused you. And I want to remind you of what happened. And so Paul says, here's where we ended up. We ended up understanding that I was sent to the Romans. I was sent to the Greeks. Anybody who wasn't a Jew, the slang was Greek. You are Greek. You are secular. I was sent to these people. Peter was sent to the circumcised. He was sent to Jerusalem. Every one of the apostles was sent somewhere. One of the interesting things to do is follow the life of the apostles after the ascension. Uh, Thomas ends up in India. uh, And we think took the gospel of John with him. And the church in India has a very different expression, very different experience than the churches in the rest of the Roman Empire. Uh, Peter ends up in Rome. Uh, Andrew ends up in uh, northern Greece, Achaia. Um, Matthew, we think, ends up in Syria and then Egypt. Um, Philip was in Hierapolis. And uh, on and on. John, of course, ends up at Ephesus and dies there. We think one of the only ones of the apostles who died of natural causes. Everybody else was martyred, either beheaded, crucified, or other, uh, some otherwise put to death. Everybody had somewhere to go. This is where I am to go, Peter says. I stay in Jerusalem. This is where I go, Paul says. I go to the rest of the Roman Empire. And when you think about it, that each man is gifted in a very different way. Each man has a different experience, different training, and therefore different capabilities. Paul loved to go to a city where Christ hadn't been preached. He loved to go there and find a local synagogue and begin to teach from their own scriptures, from the Old Testament that Jesus is the Christ. From that preaching would establish a young church. That church would eventually end up being asked to leave the synagogue, thrown out of the synagogue. They would end up in somebody's house. Uh, And therefore you see Paul's letters, I'm writing to this person and the church in their house. 
Paul would then disciple, train leaders. It would take him anywhere from a year, sometimes two, three years. He would preach, teach, grow the leaders, and then he would move on. He would circle back and check on the church later, but that was what he did, and he did it all across the Roman Empire until he finally ends up in Rome. Peter, he stays most of the time in Jerusalem. When the persecution becomes intense, he leaves. We think he ends up in Rome somewhere about the same time that Paul does. We believe that both he and Paul were executed under Nero and thought that maybe they had taken care of the church because they had taken care of the leaders. But see, the problem with the church is you can't kill the leader after you've already killed him once. After the resurrection, you can't kill Jesus again. And it's not a matter of personalities. It's not a matter of, well, Paul was really, really strong and really, really smart, really, really gifted. It's a matter that it was Christ in him. It's not Peter. It's Christ in Peter. It's not Barnabas. It's Christ in Barnabas. You see, a lot of us think we have to do something before Jesus can use us. Nobody is famous in the New Testament until they are used by Jesus. Okay, you want to tell the story. The story is always, I was nobody, then I met Christ, then I did this. But I did this, as Paul says, not me, but Christ in me. Okay, so you always think that, well, well Peter was really sharp. Peter, Peter was not sharp. Okay, that's why he's our favorite disciple, right? That's why we love him. Because no matter how bad we feel about ourselves, no matter how bad we messed up, well, there's Peter. But he was faithful. And it was Christ in Peter. So everybody has a place to go. Everybody has something to do. Everybody has a calling and a ministry and a purpose. Everybody. None of the 12 quit Jesus. None of the 12 went back to fishing. None of the 12 went back to their old life. They all continued their apostleship after the ascension of Jesus. They all continued their ministry. Now, we're in an interesting place here at Brentwood Baptist Church on this campus. One, we have been in the Middle Tennessee Initiative for several years, and it has been a blast. Uh, we have had all kinds of things go well. We've had people call us from all over the nation going, how are you doing this? Uh, today, we're having the ribbon cutting on our Nolensville campus. Uh, they had uh, their, um, yeah, they had their uh, first, um, they had a soft opening uh, right before Christmas, and they had 690 people show up. On their first, on the so we don't know what the thing is today. I'll be over there tonight for the celebration. Uh, but 690, I get that 690, and I text, I, I text uh, Wade, and I said, "Listen, man, I trained you better than that. Go out in the parking lot, find 10 more people." 
You know how to count as a Baptist preacher. You know how to do this. We have sent off from this campus over 1,500 people. Leaders, parking lot missionaries, Bible study leaders, all kinds of people. And now it's time for us to refocus and reload and do it all over again. That means every one of you here have a place to go. Have something to do. Now, some of you will be traditional ministries. You'll work in the preschool. Uh, you will work in the, um, the children's area. Uh, and, and if you want to know uh, if, if working in the children's area makes any difference, uh, Aaron Bryant was once in the preschool department of this church. He's now the pastor of our AF South campus. Glenda Pendergraf was my teacher when I was a kid at Huntsville Park Baptist Church. When she passed away, her family sent me her Bible. Do you think it makes a difference? Some of you will set up groups in your neighborhood. Some of you will have Bible studies at your work. All of you are sent somewhere. We're like dandelions. We spread everywhere and we can grow anywhere. It's nice if you have an air-conditioned sanctuary, but we have churches meeting all over the world, and one of the things we have found out is it's not necessary. It's nice, but it's not necessary. You can meet in somebody's home, we can meet outside. What is necessary? People's lives who have been changed by Jesus Christ who want to get together and study His Word people who want to serve the community and the power of the resurrection and tell other people about who he is and what he's done. That's what's necessary. Everything else is window dressing. So your goal in 2021 is to find a place where you're supposed to go and get there. Find the place you're supposed to go. It can be a Bible study in your neighborhood. It can be a Bible study with your coworkers. It can be a Bible study with one person who's struggling, and you're going to mentor and coach and disciple this one person. I don't know what it is. Like I said, there's a reason Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors. All of us have a unique mission that you are uniquely experienced, gifted, trained, and created for. See, how many, most of you hate public speaking, right? It's the number one fear. We fear public speaking more than we fear death. Did you know that? According to the surveys, most of you would rather die than speak publicly. Me, I thrive on it. That's what I live for. When I study the scripture on Sunday, I get excited when I know how you're going to hear it 
and what you're going to assume and how I can twist it to catch you off guard and make you think about it a different way. I live for that. I have my calling. You have yours. So find your calling too. Get trained. Now, if you don't know your calling, that's okay. That's why we do things like place. That's why we do things like small group, to help you find out who you are in Christ. The reason gifts are hard to see is they come easily to you. Okay? Uh, as I've told you before, sometimes our musicians will play something and I will say, oh, I love that. That was beautiful. And they will say, anybody can do that. I know one person who can't do that. It comes easily to them. They don't, they don't know that it is a gift. They don't know that it's beautiful. It just comes easily. That's one of the things you need the church around you to go, hey, you're good at this, so you'll know what your gifts are. Get into a small group. You cannot live the, uh, the disciple of Christ's life by yourself. You cannot do it. You've got to have brothers and sisters around you. Okay? Why? Because when you read the Bible, who's the first person you lie to? You. Okay? You read a passage, that, well, that didn't, that didn't apply to me. If you don't have brothers and sisters around, you're going, yes, it does. Don't you remember? And they bring up the most embarrassing part of your life. Okay? If you don't have people around you like that, you will never take the Bible seriously, and you won't ever let it do its work. Three, you need to be doing something. Okay? That's why some of you need to go out and find the, the discipleship kiosk, and some of you need to go find the mission kiosk. You need to be doing something. Why? Because there's things you learn only in obedience. Okay? You can watch a video on how to change a tire. Can you change a tire because you've watched the video? No. Until you hear that whoop 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 and realize, oh, I've got a flat tire, and then you open it up and realize, one, what they gave you won't take the tire off. The tire tool you don't have that, that they gave you won't work. And this thing they call a spare now isn't a spare. It's a little bitty tire that'll get you 50 miles, they say. Well, until you change a tire and bloody your knuckles because the lug wrench slipped off the lug nuts, until you've done that, you don't know how to change a tire. There are certain things you learn only in obedience, only in the doing. There are certain things that Jesus will teach you only in the doing. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, how many of you have heard Jesus said, if somebody hits you on one cheek, turn the other cheek? Okay, you've heard that, right? Do you believe that? Now, if I gave you a test, what does Jesus say about turning cheek? You would give me the right answer, right? Until somebody slaps you on your cheek. Right? Smack! And the first thing that happens when somebody smacks you on the cheek is what? You make a fist. Pap! Now, do you believe? Do you believe that by absorbing this person's anger and turning back an answer of peace will change that situation? If you've been in that situation and done it, you know it's true. See the difference? There's some things Jesus will only teach you in obedience. So, this is 2020. This was a new year. It's the same mission. 
same challenge that the disciples had when Jesus ascended. Now what, what do we do? Where do we go? Find your place. Get there. Like a dandelion, it doesn't have to be the best soil. It doesn't have to be the best dirt. Dandelion spreads everywhere and grows anywhere. That's my prayer for Brentwood Baptist Church. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, listen. It's time for some of you to get gut level honest. You know Jesus, you follow Christ, but you're not engaged. You're not engaged with the local church, so it's time you became a member of Brentwood Baptist Church. Make that happen today. You're not engaged with a small group. Go to the discipleship kiosk, find them, talk to a place where you can get connected. Find the missions team out in the foyer and say, hey, I need to find a place where I can use my gifts and get connected. Some of you are sitting here in direct disobedience because you know you're being called to do something and you're not doing it. Some of you are scared that 2020 is going to look a whole lot like 2019 and you want something to be different, but you don't know how. That's okay. We don't expect you to have it all worked out. Listen, our, our dis ministers, our disciples are already out at the big table that says next steps. They're waiting for you because they want to talk to you about who Jesus is and what he's done and how this year can be the best year ever of your life because Jesus Christ will be part of it. Don't leave without knowing Jesus Christ. However Christ has come to you, whatever he's calling you, He's waiting for you where you are. The church waits for you now as you will come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open, every heart. So we pray that the choices we make are exactly what you want.